Radio Lockdown is a Neptune podcast. You're listening to Garbage Fire, the new single from Vixen Vixen. That's VXN, VXN. Next episode, I'll be chatting with Bridget about this project, as well as her other band, Church Mums, live performances during COVID, and dog ownership. But in the meantime, if you're in Adelaide, I heartily recommend that you go see Church Mums live on the 27th of February at the Broadcast Bar. And check out Vixen Vixen on Spotify. Bridget's amazing. I'm so excited to chat to her on the next show. Hello, mate. Hello, hello. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm very well. I'm recording. It's all I'm good. also recording. What? Oh. Justin asked me to do something slightly technical, and it only took me 45 minutes to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking lockdown. Right now. There's no isolation unit. Gosh, I hope this works. Why am I talking in this voice? You do it. Immediately, you start recording, and suddenly you're sounding a little bit pretentious. Oh, man. <laughs> it's just how it is. You get that element of performance in there, and it's just suddenly you turn into Nova Shock Jock. <laughs> this is uh, also deeply not good because uh, 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 a friend of ours does uh, Pokemon, like he plays Pokemon and records it. Twitch! He does Twitch! <laughs> That's fine. And to get get people on his his Twitch thing, he uh, has started doing more advertising, and he did a TikTok, and I really enjoyed his TikTok because he can be a little taciturn when he talks to me. <laughs> but but on his TikTok, he was really excited, and he was like, "Yeah, guys, come check out my video." Like every YouTuber you've ever listened to and all this stuff, and I was like, "Oh, he's got that voice." And then I thought about it for a minute and I'm like, oh no, I have that voice. <laughs> and I, I just recommended, well not recommended, I just told his partner about our podcast and she's going to hear this and be like, oh Darcy, you're being a real dick. <laughs> no, but it's absolutely what you've got to do. You've got to have that that voice, that kind of energy. When I did the YouTube series, it was absolutely that. It was, what's up fam, it's your boy. <laughs> I always worry because I used to do public speaking as a kid and I know that I have a public speaking voice. Yeah, what's your public speaking voice? Give give me uh, a 20 second speech. Oh shit, I can maybe even remember the first 20 seconds of one of my speeches. That would be cool. Ooh, that'd be I fun. mean, that would be deeply nerdy and the opposite of cool. Um, it's it? that kind of podcast. <laughs> it's that kind of podcast. I remember the, the girl we used to get annoyed at, because she was quite good at public speaking, which is a little bit pretentious. She gave a speech to us for year 12 and she began it with, The world is your oyster. We get told that so often. But what does it really mean? Or something like that. And now she's a presenter for ABC. So that tracks. That tracks. Presenter 100%. voice totally works. Is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? 
Let's dig into that. <laughs> the summer's day in Australia is slightly different to what Shakespeare might have meant. Yeah, I, I think most people are more lovely and more temperate than a <laughs> summer heatwave. Oh, God. Anyway, presenter voice. It can have varying levels of annoyingness. <laughs> the Hottest 100 was last weekend as we record. Uh, and that has a very particular tonality as well, because you've got the triple J element of the presenter voice. But then you've got the guy doing the over voice, and it's like he's actually talking about a Hollywood movie but the 80s. And it's such a confusing... Because then you have the people talking about the songs, and they're like, hey guys, that was blah blah with blah blah. Wasn't that great? I remember seeing them at Falls this year, and I was like, what? And then you go back into the number five, and you're like, what? Number 63. <laughs> I figured out that, that part of it is the, the presenter voice. It kind of has that bounce to it. It starts to go into mid-2000s John Howard impression. <laughs> Not actually how John Howard sounded, but it's just the impression that everyone did of John Howard. Oh, dear. Much as Australia has done a lot of changing our memory of what John Howard was actually like. Guys, uh, this, I think we might have lost the audio of this, maybe, but um, I did want to check in because I, over the years, have bought my dad political biographies, not necessarily of biographies of people that he agrees with politically. Yeah. One year I did concede and I got him John Howard, which made me think of it. But uh, this year, just passed, I got him the Don Dunstan biography because... He hates Don Dunstan, and Mum loves Don Dunstan. But turns out my dad always reads these, so it's like my secret sleeper agent way for him <laughs> to learn things. He was so invested in Penny Wong for a hot minute there, it was great. But he thought that Don Dunstan was quite cool by the end, although he did call him, he was calling him Donnie, which is adorable. <laughs> and Mum had to very gently explain bisexuality to him, but... That's all good. But he did come in. He's like, yeah, he was a lovely, you know, he's a good dude. Don't think he was um, a great politician necessarily. Um, and uh, a fuck machine, I think was the expression or something. <laughs> and he was just super impressed with how many lovers he had. That is, that is the crowning glory of Don Dunstan. I think we can all agree. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, I just wanted to give you that update because I know you're a big fan of the Donny. I'm a huge fan of the Donny. I mean, we so this was in the bit. Um, I I didn't lose the audio of last week's episode, um, but we I, I ran out of time to actually edit it because um, essentially I had to shift uh, audio editing programs because my main one that I've been using just decided not to let me edit audio with it, which is a fairly important quality of an audio editing piece of software. So I had to work with something that was a lot slower and that was why I just edited Simon's piece there, which was fantastic. He's so lovely. He's so charismatic. I, I loved having him on the show. Um, but we did this whole bit about how Don Dunstan is just a freaking legend. The end of that bit is now I'm getting email updates from Wikipedia thanking me for donating because we had to... <laughs> oh, I can't believe that <laughs> Because we had to attribute so much of the show to Wikipedia because I was just reading it at a certain point. First of all, Google Don Dunstan, what a legend. Second of all, 
Donate to Wikipedia. It's where half your brain comes from. Don't be an ass. Wikipedia is such a, a great resource. Um, and it was probably important that we cut the dead air, which was just you making slowly being pressured into making a donation, checking your card details. I can't imagine that was riveting. No, no, no. It was really compelling. I just had to cut it for time uh, reasons. And anyway, do you want to do a news? <laughs> News, 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 news. This is the bit where we do news. So we have a couple of different stories this week. Um, you wanted to tell me about a breaking story, is that right? Or not, oh, yeah, a, we're, not we're, a really breaking story at this point, and certainly not by the time people are listening to it, but you were going to explain GameStop. <laughs> That is not how I phrase this. What's GameStop? <laughs> I really wish you'd done a serious news piece before I did this because I have not prepared for it very much at all. Well, you know what we can <laughs> do? I can absolutely do that and you can be thinking about GameStop the entire time uh, that I tell you about the very serious news story I have. It's just, there's a very gentle, silly, silly lead in and then I will say three facts and then Justin will probably correct those facts. Start with some actual news first. Okay, well, first off, we have my major news story. It's it's still not a major news story, but I thought I'd tell you about Damien. Have you heard about Damien? He's the, the Antichrist and the Omen. That's all I've got. Or if you are at the Kirby Institute at the University of New South Wales, you may know Damien as an immunological unicorn. This is an article that came out yesterday in The Guardian about a guy that caught COVID-19 in March of 2020. He's a 50-year-old father of three. His name is Damien, as I mentioned, uh, living on uh, New South Wales Central Coast. He had severe enough COVID symptoms uh, that he needed to go to the emergency department, but he was sent home the same day just after getting some oxygen. Um, and every time he was tested, even with the best, uh, the gold standard swab, um, he kept returning negative tests. His son had it. He was clearly sick. He had to have it. Um, but they just, he just had such an amazing immune response that the test didn't pick it up. And he's continued to have this incredible immune response eight or nine months since he was first infected, which means that he's still in the top 1% of all people's immune responses to the virus. So this guy is a bloody legend. <laughs> Um, he's been donating blood and plasma, um, and, and this isn't unique. There are a lot of recovered Australians, uh, that have been donating, uh, blood and plasma so that researchers can study the antibodies, uh, and mm. use that to make, uh, blood serum. We were talking previously about blood serum treatment as one of the treatments for COVID that we have. <laughs> we, we decided to compare those people to vampires, which was, I think, a very good and not prejudicing a public health initiative um, thing that we did. Um, sometimes it's hard for me to understand things unless you put them in culture terms. And by sometimes, I mean all the time. <laughs> but yeah, so lots of people have done that. Um, but Damien has the coolest blood. <laughs> I'm going to quote... A vampire. <laughs> I'm going to quote a vampire. Damien has the best tasting blood around. 
<laughs> I'm going to quote alleged vampire and actual virologist Stuart Turville, um, who says... Damien serum has contributed to many batches of these products. Whenever we get a batch of serum that's particularly amazing, we say, okay, he's in this batch. That's how impressive his response is. So Damien's uh, blood plasma is so has so many antibodies that... Uh, how many antibodies does he have? <laughs> how antibodied was he? Um, it's very cool. Yes. Um, and the Magic other thing, blood. Yeah, he, he's he's got um, magic blood, which I think is is fantastic. If he was a girl, I'd read this novel. You know, <laughs> he's got magic blood. You'd you'd read the YA. Like, are we talking fantasy? Are we talking romance? Are we talking fantasy romance? Oh no, I'm talking supernatural romance because he would have magic blood, and then the vampires would be after him. But I don't know. He's probably got fae in him or somewhere. It's like a true blood ripoff. You know? I love the idea that this is otherwise a fairly normal YA novel, but it <laughs> is the the chief uh, love interest is Damien, a 50 year old father of three from the New South Wales Central Coast. I just have a particular image of Damien. Love is for everyone, Justin. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying that <laughs> Damien does not sound like Edward Cullen. <laughs> or, you know. Oh, yeah, Edward Cullen was much older. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, Damien says he's 50. I mean, clearly he is. Like, what, what, what they've accidentally discovered is um, the supernatural among us. Technically, the virologist, in my version, would be the vampire. But this is now becoming eerily close to... There's a show called A Discovery of Witches, which unexpectedly, for me at least, got a second season. I did not know that was going to happen because they then time travel. And I'm like, guys, you don't have the budget to time travel. Look at you. If we time travel, we can use the same sets. No, no. No, no, no. Because she's wearing a gown and that takes proper money so maybe they'll just have one set in the old timey world who's to say um the point of this is the vampire is a famous geneticist that's fun yep i think she works at the bodleian she works um at a famous oxford um library but we went there and i'm like ah history the learned tomes definitely not something i've seen in a cheesy vampire show well, yeah, I mean, that there's a long history of... Um, Magic uh, blood. Well, and also of vampire doctors. I mean, um, uh, famously, the the father of the Cullen family. What's his name? Carlisle. Carlisle, there we go. Carlisle's a doctor. I mean, that's how he rescues all of them, yeah? Because they're all, like, adopted family? Some of them. Because uh, Edward Cullen had the Spanish flu. And he was going to die otherwise. Yeah, what? I read a lot of them. And one of them was in the Confederacy? Anyway, let's go back to Damien. Don't think about it too much. I had a real moment over the holidays. I went home and I did the job that my mum has been asking me to do for like four years. I uh, cleaned out some of my books that I keep there. And it's all the stuff I read as a teenager. So obviously Twilight is there. And I have read them more than once. And then I studied them at university for a different aspect of it. And I had this real moment where I'm like, look, I'm not divorcing myself from this moment where I was super into Twilight. I refuse to do that. But also, I don't want them on my bookshelf anymore. 
I don't want to deny that I was super into Twilight because teen girls get enough flack. They need more defenders. You know, it was fine. We like to think. Get over it. Unforgivable. Not allowed to like things. But also, it takes up a lot of space on the thing, right? A piece of media that's not for me, I say no more. <laughs> or I did when they came out in like 2007, eight kind of time. Yes, I trashed on them and then I grew up and went, well, that's a bit mean, isn't it? <laughs> I have seen all the films. I wouldn't say that they're all good films, but they do a lot more than... Anyway, I'm not going into this. Um... <laughs> No, we're not doing it. We're talking about Damon and his magical blood. Do you want to hear about the submarine? Yes. Because the other component of this is that the article has given us insight into how the Kirby Institute researchers actually operate their containment lab, which is where they do their, their research. So the Kirby Institute was founded in 1989. They were originally founded in response to the HIV epidemic. Um, and so they've had spaces dedicated to researching infectious diseases since the late 1980s. Wow. So they're very well set up. Um, yeah. We talked a bit about negative pressure in December. Researchers need to walk through three negative pressure chambers just in order to enter the main laboratory. That's where they work on the virus. Um, as we mentioned in December, negative pressure is... Uh, where you suck air into the room rather than pushing air out. So that means that anything that's in the room stays in the room. The researchers use layers and layers of PPE, personal protective equipment, and they like tape down their gloves. We've got another quote from Turville here, which I love. If you look at images of Dustin Hoffman in Outbreak, you'll see they've done the same and taped down their gloves. So that's what we do. Not because we watch Outbreak, but to reduce contamination risk. <laughs> he's just trying to make it relatable, you know? Yeah, I just... I love that he's he's obviously seen, like, one movie where they're doing the thing that he does. And he's like, yeah, that's my dude right there. I am Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> yes! That's what he tells his kids when they're being annoying about how lame he is. I have not seen Outbreak uh, I no, would... neither have I. I don't think it's a very popular film, which makes it so much better. Or is it just really old? And he's like, yeah, you know, this cult cultural touchstone. I mean, we were talking about, uh, like, films about viruses. I did watch uh, 12 Monkeys last week, which is interesting. But anyway, uh, we'll, uh, we'll stay on topic. Stay on target. Stay on target. Stay on target. So they, they get into the central lab, then they put on... Uh, halo masks, um, which have inbuilt nano filters. Uh, the halo masks cost thirty thousand dollars each. Oh shit! <laughs> and then before they step into the final module, they check on Bunnings gum boots. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, you got you got to make a cost saving somewhere if you're putting thirty grand on your face. Holy shit! One of the biggest problems they have, or one of the most frustrating things that can happen, is uh, realizing they've forgotten to bring something with them oh, no. <laughs> when they go through that whole process. Uh, yeah, so uh, another quote from Turville. Uh, the modules we work in have these massive portholes through which we can see and communicate with people on the other side. We use big glass whiteboards, and if someone walks past, they'll write, do you need anything on it? 
and we can write a shopping list in response and they'll fill up a trolley and pass it through. But when you forget something, it's really annoying. Aww, what a gem. It sounds like it's a really, um, you know, collaborative environment as you'd hope for. Um, <laughs> you know, that it's um, kind of an irony, I guess, that in having to be distant and free from contamination, that actually involves a lot of collaboration and working together. Um, I guess that's one of the ironies that we've kind of talked about a bit on the show already, right? But um, the fact that we are being, you know, drawn together by being apart and all of that amazing government messaging. (laughs) Shout out to Damien, the immunological unicorn. Um, I don't know what will come out of this, but it's a really... I just loved this story because it's got... Um, it's got everything. It's got the details of the scientific process. It's got some exciting new discoveries. It's got magic blood. It's got an analogy to unicorns. I mean, this is, if there was ever an article written for our show. (laughs) (laughs) So I really want to shout out, uh, Melissa Davey in the Guardian for that one. That was fantastic. Uh, really big fan of that. Um, so that's, it's fine, Darcy. We've covered enough COVID stuff for the week. We've, we've met our quota. You can talk about GameStop. <laughs> I don't want to end on. I really like when it, it sounds like something that should be taking place somewhere else. Like it's too high tech. It's too impressive or it's too, you know, astronomically important. And then it's, you know, it's some dude called Damien from the coast and it's a virologist who's talking about a movie no one's seen. And it's so Australian in their attitude and the way that they're talking about it, even how the journalist is phrasing things. But you're like, oh shit, really serious and important things happen in our country. We are such an incredible, I mean, we, we talked about this a bit with the vaccine topic and we've talked about this a bit before, but this, I mean, this whole process of addressing this virus, of developing vaccines really shows how how much we can actually do scientifically, how much we can achieve when we all kind of work together on stuff. Like Australia is great at science. We've invented the Hills Hoist. I mean, what a revolution. (laughs) We did a thing called Wi-Fi. There's a bunch of stuff that happened in Australia and it's rad. And I'm going to claim it because I'm also in the same country as the people doing this. And therefore, I get to claim it because that's how nation states work. (laughs) Okay, just to stop whatever that was. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, fuck you. Oh, it was a great ending. <laughs> totally nailed it. Oh no, this is going to be a shit show now. Look, I'm going to say some things. They're probably going to come out wrong. And again, Justin's going to correct me, but it's all good. This is an edit that I'm putting in at the top of this segment. Neither Darcy nor I are financial advisors. You know this. You've listened to the podcast before. Because of the everything about us. Don't take our advice on stuff. Uh, we're about to explain some stuff, but we're going to get some of it wrong. Do your research. Make sure that you, you know, make comparative decisions. Game stocks to the moon. <laughs> that will be the level of financial advice that is present in this episode. So <laughs> don't trust it. I want to talk about GameStop because the other day I was going through Facebook and Facebook informed me that Disney were making a TV show about Mighty Ducks. 
And this made me very excited. <laughs> we grew up on Mighty Ducks, right? Uh-huh. As I've touched on before, me and my brother don't have the same ideologies, but by hell do we love the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> so I just sent him the link thinking, this will be a nice thing to touch base with my brother about. Uh-huh. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote him now. He sent me this message, and I did not understand it at all. And it took me two ABC articles, three Urban Dictionary searches, and um, about six memes before I, I, I really had a handle on things. <laughs> Please edit out his name. He would hate this so much. <laughs> so Don Dunstan sent me, Mighty Ducks, you do realize there's a full-on stock market revolution happening right now. I've only got the bandwidth for one life-changing event. Game stonks to the moon. Hold the line, diamond hands. <laughs> Now, I believe he's joking a little, but also I know that Donnie likes the stock market. So I, having a, a sort of understanding of this, but not really, and had not quite woken up yet, said, okay, enjoy the markets. Thumbs up. And who has been enjoying the markets, Darcy? <laughs> People from a little place called Reddit. Ooh. Why are they the protagonists of this story? What what complete bastards are on the other end of this story that make Redditors <laughs> the heroes? No, because the complete bastards on the other end of the story are Wall Street stock market people. They're the worst. Oh, David and Goliath, Justin. Tale as old as time. Anyway. A tale as old as time. <laughs> yep, except they don't fall in love. They really oh. impact an economic market. Can you imagine if Reddit and hedge funds fell in love? Oh, dear. I'd be like the, the Shrelik, the journalist, and the asshole billionaire who, like, jacked up the price of that AIDS medication. Martin Shrekley? Yeah, a journalist fell in love with him and then was like, I need to write our story. And everyone resoundingly said, no, you don't. Shut up. Couldn't have happened to a nicer man. Ugh. So... <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of people on uh, subreddit about the stock market got excited because this one guy started buying up uh, GameStop stock. He put in around 50 grand to start with. And they were like, what are you doing, man? And basically, Wall Street headphones managers had decided that they were going to short it. So they were going to predict that GameStop, which is you know like a brick and mortar place where you could go in and physically buy games... It's not the model you want to be in for a variety of reasons anymore, right? It's like EB Games or Game Traders. It, it is there. Um, I think EB Games was GameStop just in Australia, I think. Okay. So as you can see, we don't have that many EB Games anymore because it's not a great business model to have anymore. So The Electronics Boutique. Imagine if you could sell your video games back to a store for 20 cents. <laughs> Perfect business model. So hedge fund managers saw the stock price going down, decided to short it. So I just watch the big short. I can't explain it very well, but they were betting a lot of money that the prices would go down and that was going to make them money somehow shorting. I can explain that in a moment. There we go. <laughs> I don't know. Margot Robbie explains it in the movie while she's drinking champagne in a bath. It's very distracting. I just... Can't wrap my head around it so far. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's kind of a rude way to explain something. <laughs> they borrow the stocks and then they sell them back. But anyway. Yeah. No, I think that's right. They borrow the stocks at the current price and then they have to sell them back at the same price and 
that will be higher than they are actually at that time, thus making them a profit. I, that, I that's know. essentially it. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so um, I borrow stocks. I'm I'm a hedge fund. You're a broker. I borrow a bunch of stocks that you have, and then I immediately sell them on to someone else because uh, I think that they're more valuable than they're going to be in a week or in however long. And then in a week's time, I have to give them back to you. But after a week, that's fine because I know the stocks are going to go down in value. I buy them back at a much cheaper rate, so I've made a profit. I give them back to you. You've got your stocks again. That's a short. (laughs) So they were trying to short GameStop, and the subreddit was like, nah, bruh. So they just start buying and buying and buying and it artificially inflates the value of the GameStop stock. So the guy who originally did it, who I think they're starting to call King, but he had a, a handle before that that was different. Basically, he was holding it to the point where he had he was worth around $57 million at one point during this week. And that had come from like an initial fifty grand buy-in. Buy-in is about gambling. I don't know if that holds true for the stock market. Anyway. I would say that it holds true for the stock market, but... That may be my politics coming into it. Diamond hands is the concept that you need to um, sell at the right time. So if you're holding it on to it and keeping it until so it's going up and up and up, you hold it. You have diamond hands. That's the good thing. Um, Straw hands is when you sell it for too little. I think. Uh, So this is all Reddit terminology that they have on Wall Street Bets, which is the Reddit that did this. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I believe so. And um, stonks is uh, from a meme. So it's someone who's poorly understanding stocks. Ah, my stonks are going up. We have a stonks meme in the first print edition of Neptune Today, that graph that's behind Scott Morrison uh, in our article, uh, Sco Money Mo Problems, uh, which is my favorite pun. That graph behind him is the graph from the stonks. Image macro. So the, to the moon and the rocket emoji, the idea that they're holding on to the stocks because they're going to increase in value exponentially, which is not necessarily true because some of the stock selling platforms that are, I think apps, like Robinhood, stopped, halted trade on these. So GameStop and then other, other ones that were probably going down in value like BlackBerry and things like that. So they stopped trade on them because they were like, no, we are following the rules. We're not supposed to be doing this. That's their argument. Uh, the Redditors are saying, no, you're just doing this because hedge funders are losing a lot of money, which some of them are, some of them aren't. Some of them actually got in on this or some of them held enough GameStop shares that they just weren't paying attention and they've actually made money now. So <laughs> it's a mixed bag. Um, the I think the halts on the stock selling that like Robinhood and apps like that were doing have now been removed, I think. But the prices did dip a fair bit from like I think seven hundred to back to two seventy five or something. But um, politicians on both sides of the aisle in America, so Republicans and Democrats, are going, "What the fuck? You can't stop the stock market. That's insane. It's free trade. What are you doing? That's rude." Uh, so that's weird. This could be the thing that unites politicians in a greatly divided America. Amazing. It's pretty iconic. And it's finally making my brother and AOC agree on something also amazing. <laughs> so a couple of things there. Um, 
you've every no no yeah. i'm pretty sure everything you've said is correct i just want to add some more context uh to mm -hmm. a couple of things there so uh i explained kind of what a short is and and by the way i'm taking these uh, explanations from other people at the top of this segment okay neither darcy nor i are financial advisors <laughs> Okay, back to the segment uh, that we were doing. Um, so uh, I kind of explained what a short is, and I took that from, from a video uh, that I watched on this by a guy called Lewis Rossman. Um, I don't know if he's a good person or has good politics, but he had a really good explanation of this, so shout out to him. He's on YouTube. You can go find that. Um, he's angry and from New York, so those are two good qualities in a person. The other thing he pointed out, which I really liked uh, and is really important, is basically shorting the market is an inherently riskier way to invest. It's not really something that you can do as like a layperson because you're taking on a much, much larger risk than when you normally invest in stocks. So normally when you buy a stock, you could buy it for $10 and it goes up to $30, hooray, you've made 20 bucks, or it goes up to $11, hooray, you've made a dollar. But the most you can lose is that 10 bucks of your initial investment, right? Because like the worst thing that can happen is your $10 share goes down to a value of $0. The worst thing that can happen if you short, because remember, uh, shorting a stock means that you buy it um, or sorry, you, you borrow it at a certain price and then you hope the value goes down, but you're going to have to buy those shares at the end of the week, no matter what they cost at the end of the week. That means you're on the hook for potentially infinite money. Um, because by the end of the week, if the shares are as, you know, GameStop shares are worth like $700 then you're going to have to buy back those shares to give them back to your broker at the end of the week for like 700 bucks. And so fun note that did happen to some of the hedge fund managers. That's what you know, they, they lost a lot of money on this. And then some of them got federal bailouts also very, very much angering their editors and the general populace. Have they actually got bailouts at this point? Oh, that was at the tail end of one of my uh, <laughs> one of my research binges, so I can't confirm, but I think it, it was either proposed or happening. I know that it's been proposed. I don't think it's happening at this point because I think people are still sifting through it. Um, Potentially. Uh, but, it, I, but I will Google it um, at, at, after this. Um... We'll do an insert. Okay, so we're both a little bit right here. Um, Darcy's not strictly correct when she says that the hedge funds received a federal bailout, at least not from the federal government in the United States. What has happened is individual private investors have stepped in to bail out some of the hedge funds that were short selling. Um, short selling is the full term, by the way. I didn't actually say that they call it short selling because they're selling short. They don't actually have the stocks they're borrowing other people's. That's what short selling means. That would have been a nice thing to say. Anyway, the other thing that's been sort of like a bailout is the commission-free stock trading marketplace, Robin Hood, decided to stop investors from buying stock in GameStop while allowing them to sell stock in GameStop. So this seemed pretty dodgy to a lot of people at the time we recorded this. Uh, Robin Hood uh, the belief at the time we recorded this was that Robinhood shut down free trade maliciously in order to protect hedge funds from Reddit traders. 
the more likely explanation is that they got into a bad uh, financial position. They didn't have enough liquidity to buy the stocks. This is because the 2010 Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act means that they have to have enough cash on hand to buy the stocks themselves without using the Redditor's money to buy the stocks. So if, if I'm buying the stocks on behalf of you, I can't use your money to buy the stocks myself. I have to buy the stocks and then on-sell them to you, um, but I have to buy them in the first place with my own money. Um, so that meant that they, because they didn't have enough money themselves, um, they had to cap the number of trades they made buying GameStop stock. That's kind of a fortnight's more information than we had when we recorded this. It's still very confusing, um, but I hope that's a slightly more clarity for you. Um, and now back to us being confused. <laughs> and we're back. Um, <laughs> so there's um, certainly a proposal at the very least to bail out these hedge funds. But the important thing is they're already um, extended essentially a line of credit, right? And it's because they're these big institutions that they can get away with this sort of thing. And often they can, um, you know, if your broker has essentially lent you these shares, you're borrowing them and then you're buying them at the lower price, you can, what you can do is you can say to the broker, actually, I'm going to short them again. Maybe they'll go down in another week, but then you're essentially doing double or nothing. You could have the shares go back down in value. Um, and then you only have to buy them at this lower price. So, uh, that's okay. You haven't lost as much money or as has happened with Reddit, they could continue to grow in value until you get to the point where, uh, in order to protect the hedge funds, they have shut down the free market. They have said uh, people that aren't hedge funds aren't allowed to trade, which is essentially not how any of this works. And it's it's basically saying, no, hedge funds are supposed to have money. You're not supposed to have money. Certainly the way it seems to a lot of people at the moment is this is intervention to protect Wall Street, to protect the big end of town. And, and the, the way this relates back to COVID as well is... A lot of the people who are investing right now aren't the typical because they're people looking for an alternate way to generate money when they're stuck at home. Right. And also the reason that they've noticed certain uh, like um, financial disparities... Uh, in this way is partially because people are stuck at home. So they're just Googling shit. They're just watching <laughs> financial markets all day, right? So people have more awareness of it. And it's because they realized that this, um, I think there's one hedge fund in particular um, that was completely overcommitted. They had shorted more than 100% of the available stock of GameStop. Jesus. Which is probably the thing that should be illegal this is not an actual piece of financial advice. How do I how do I say this should be illegal without saying this should be illegal? Um, you think, as a as a general public, not a person to be taken as an authority. <laughs> Neptune today does not stand by the beliefs of its sole proprietor. They're not affiliated with that Justin character. <laughs> He's shady. <laughs> um, the other thing is, it's especially in COVID times, it's a bit like pissing on someone's grave to be shorting a brick and mortar shop right now. You know, like, yeah, well, hey, we're going to bet against someone who is trying to, you know, sell a product physically 
during COVID, oh, their business is going to do Like, shorting's not polite in any way, shape, or form as it is as a concept because you're betting on someone to fail. Betting and... on someone to fail during COVID. And it's a gaming thing. Like, I can't think of much more that would piss Reddit off more unless, you know, no, let's not get into Reddit politics. But <laughs> you're absolutely right there. And an important component of this is they have been betting on them to fail and it's in their interests to make sure that that company fails to to ensure if they tell everyone we're shorting this stock we think this company is crap sell all your stock in this company that's how they make money they have a an active interest in having that stock price continue to drop and drop and drop and to short it and reshort it and reshort it over and over again um and what that means is GameStop as a company genuinely may fail because people are betting on them to fail. They may not, if, if their stock continues to tank, they may not be extended lines of credit that they would otherwise be offered. Um, and because... they're genuinely trying to pivot, guys. <laughs> they're trying, okay? So they brought in some new leadership. They're doing a thing. This is not to comment on the, on the trading practices of GameStop. You know, like the general idea of their business model is a little bit outdated <laughs> that's kind of the point and the joke of it on reddit but the the real thing is that i guess this this is a company that is not doing super well is heavily memeable let's not forget that element because lo- <laughs> pe- lots of people have fond memories of gamestop um and also um their shares are being exploited by people that basically are exploiting it because they don't think people will care. And you know what? The same thing that they were doing to GameStop is being done to them because now they're not getting the line of credit to have their short be able to continue to ride out the wave until the share price drops again. They're having to buy the stocks now. So there's a lot going on there. Obviously, we don't have you know, all the details just yet, et cetera, et cetera. Continuing news story, you know, we exist in the world, so we don't have all the facts about the world. That's how the world does its its deal. Um, what a philosophically based disclaimer. <laughs> nothing if not. It was pretty. But yeah, so uh, stonks. To the moon! Stonks to the moon. Look, it could be really interesting, because what if the original guy does sell out if he sells his stocks? If he's like, well, that's high enough. If he sells and then all other registers realize that they need to sell, then everything will also go belly up in a very spectacular way. And it's just interesting to see how much, like, is it actually a David and Goliath thing where, you know, you will hold it to the moon, you will, you will follow it, and ride this thing till it dies. Or similar to the ending of the movie Big Short, are you going to be the Ryan Gosling character who goes, well, of course we sold out and made just a shit ton of money. What did you think we were going to do? You know what? It's a lot of money. I get it. I can feel you judging me. That's palpable. But hey, I never said I was the hero of this story. Like, are we going to see Redditors become their own villains type thing? Look, this is not to say that the Redditors in this story are particularly heroes. Ultimately, this is a gamble, right? Like, mm. it's it's not a bet in the traditional sense at a casino, but it is 
you know, you're, you're putting down some cash and you're hoping that number go up and number might go down. And at the moment, it's volatile enough that it's very hard to make predictions about whether it will go up or go down. And so a lot of it is based on gut feeling and a lot of it is based on, you know, the, the same sorts of how long do I hold for, how much do I double down? That is the instinct of of gambling. So, so there are concerns there, um, obviously, about some of the people involved. But it seems to run deeper in, in this way where um, it is people going, I don't actually care if I lose this money. I'm spending this money. I'm not actually investing this money. I'm spending this money to screw over a hedge fund because yeah, they're being I jerks. And, and that is the element, I think, where, where it's more political. How long will the ideology hold? And yeah. if, you, if you break that pact or that covenant almost that there's sort of making there to screw over the the fat cats can you then pivot and say well actually we're going to try it with this different stock i mean this was always going to end badly right yeah the the philosophy versus greed yeah this was always going to end badly because either the hedge fund was going to lose a lot of money and spit the dummy as they have or but that creates its own instability globally because if we're like oh we can't trust the we can't trust the American stock market that has a ripple effect all of its own. If only there were several big budget Hollywood movies that we've previously mentioned in this episode <laughs> about this problem that we have watched in another country. You know, like if if only someone could have picked that the hedge funds were maybe not going to invest in the best interests of american people and the global economy um yeah some people are going to get hurt by this and and some of them are going to be the the little guy investors um i guess the hope is here that that what they're doing in making this statement is not throwing away money they can't afford because as we were saying at the start buying the stock means you only lose as much money as you put in Mm. so the people that are really on the line here are the hedge fund hopefully the smaller investors have not put down so much money in riding this wave that they're going to really put themselves in some bad situations. Unfortunately, because the story has grown so much, there are going to be those stories. Like, it's going to be a bit shit. Um, But, yeah, there's this real, you know, political storm brewing in the US and and it will be really interesting. Global financial crisis didn't stop them. But Reddit has made them pause. It's a nice story, you know? Like... It'll be really interesting to see how the Biden administration deals with this. And it's really a relief to be able to have confidence that the US government will respond just in some way to a thing <laughs> happening in their own country. Um, like a measured statement, you know, like they could say something terrible, but at least I know that they thought it through all the way. You know, they chose their words with care. Yeah, I'm, I'm I just trying to... speech writing. <laughs> I'm trying to judge how the Biden administration will respond, not whether they'll respond at all to a very large, you know... It was so nice. I was reading, like, their... Um... Their new press person was talking and they're like, look, we're going to do briefings daily and we're not always going to agree, but I'm going to present you with some facts. And I was like, oh, the press must be so excited. And I can go back to criticizing the US press without feeling that I'm taking the side of the fascists. (laughs) 
I'm glad we got a chance to, to break this one down. I think that concludes the news, unless you have any more fun news stories from the past week. No. What's happening? Oh, you know what I can tell you about? What can you tell me about? Um, So there is a charity that uh, we like to support. It's not Wikipedia. I can't believe it's not Wikipedia. (laughs) It's it's the OC Challenge every February. Uh, It's for South Australians living with ovarian cancer. It's to get them specific medical help. And uh, basically, I'm doing something called Forfeit February. It means that I'm giving up a thing and the thing that i had decided to give up for february is paid streaming services Ooh! i'm gonna watch a lot of weird nordic shows on sbs wait oh yeah paid streaming services okay yeah i had to give myself an out because sometimes i need a tv show on in the background so i can sleep this is this is how people give up stuff for lent they like give up a little bit of something well that's not what you're supposed to do but see the thing was i was like trying to figure out something that would would still sting yeah because it's not if it's not an interesting sacrifice why would you donate money for me to do it and then one of the other people who's doing it was like oh can i give up coffee after 11 30 i'm like absolutely not what are you a child but then I was like, what you can do is give it up after 9.30. So you can have one in the morning and I want you to write a mini essay on how many coffees you normally have in a day, in a week, how much you spend on them, and the negative impact coffee has on you. And also, I will be able to watch free-to-air streaming services. Thank you. So this is me having a dig at my friend Darcy, not the very worthy charity that she is doing a thing for. I should <laughs> note this. In, in the same sense that in high school, we would rib the people that did the... Did, did your high school have the... Um, 40-hour famine for World Vision. Uh, no, we have World's Greatest Shave. Yep, yep. So that's that's a big one as well. And I would have ribbed the people that uh, only dyed their hair, but uh, I generally wasn't friends with them because they were punks and busters. We, we had the 40-hour famine. Shave your head on nothing. Which is, for 40 hours, you're supposed to completely fast. But there are some people that didn't do that for, for you know, very reasonable reasons you know it's not particularly healthy to fast for 40 hours that's kind of the point but there were other people that definitely were like i'm not gonna have soft drink for 40 hours and it's like i don't have soft drink for i go 40 hours without <laughs> soft fortnight, drink you know? <laughs> i'm not even doing a charity right like that that's more the sense in which i am ribbing you i would have a mate who would give up what was it she would give up cigarettes booze and cocaine each lent and she was 12 <laughs> I've given up all my vices. Oh, Very I had fun. conversely a fr- my other friend who went too far. She gave up socks for Lent. Ooh, she is gross. That's weird and, and deeply painful. Socks you can like there there are shoes that you can wear without socks, right? So did she wear like thongs or something? Uh, couldn't wear thongs. Wasn't part of the school um, uniform. So if oh, she so had she, wore... she would have been told off. And also we were playing sport at the time, so oh. she needed to be wearing sneakers at various points. So she was wearing sneakers without socks? Yeah, I think she had Constantly. some other style of shoe that was fine, but at a certain point it begins to rub, you know, <laughs> and then it doesn't stop. She got the nastiest blisters, it was gross. You want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> I didn't wear socks for a month. <laughs> Want to know how I got these scars? I don't know, man. Did you not wear socks? Don't be weird. Imagine if the Joker just had, like, blisters on his heels. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? (laughs) 
the Joker, the Joker, he has a normal mouth, but he has blisters on his ankles and he's always wearing sandals. <laughs> Want to know how I got these scars? I feel like you've got a lot of stuff going on. Who <laughs> invited the Joker? His feet are gross. <laughs> this is gone off the rails a little bit. Our comedy COVID podcasts. This has gone off the rails much like the solution to the trolley problem, which is derail the train. <laughs> you got any uh, stuff you want to tell me about? Stuff coming up? Um, Not a great deal. I've been working on a video. I think I mentioned this last time, but I've been working on a video basically talking about everything that Neptune Today, i.e. for the most part me, has been doing for the past year and where I've spent my Patreon riches and all that sort of thing breaking down that sort of stuff, kind of talking about what I'm doing for 2021. So that's basically the big thing I'm working on at the moment. Um, oh, you got your degree in the mail. That made it sound like it was worthless. No, they posted your degree to you. <laughs> I got my mail order degree. Yeah. I ordered it over the internet. I completed it. No, you can now um, do surgery. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I, I officially have my graduate certificate of science communication. I'm officially an alumnus Facebook does this thing where they identify that people have put congratulations in a comment thread and then they amplify that post. So the first person said congratulations and I was like, oh no, I should have taken a better photo. Because <laughs> it's just messy, my hair's everywhere, I just look a bit, you know, a bit gremlin-y. Windswept. I wasn't going to say anything. Windswept gremlin? <laughs> Absolutely, Yeah. I look like the version of the Joker that wears sandals. I think that's a very apt <laughs> description, actually. You, you just don't want to look like that guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I've been um, very thankful for, you know, all the people that I've studied that with. And, and Simon, uh, who was on the show last week, was one of the people that I studied with for that. Um, so that was very cool. I've met so many cool people through that. And yeah, I'm keen to figure out if I can do stuff with them over the next year as well. So, you know. If you know science things, let's do another podcast. I don't have enough podcast. I want to multiply my podcasts. Expand. Expand and expand and exposit. You, you have fun with that. This one's plenty for me. And we do it sporadically. But you're recording this week, which is great. Yeah. Are you still recording? I hope it works. Yes, it's still going. Well, there we go. It should be great. It should be fantastic. Um, anyway, what do you think will improve in uh, COVID times? Damien. Damien. Damien's going from strength to strength. I think we're going to see a lot more Damien and a lot less uh, hedge funds. I think, yeah, if we were going to talk about things that uh, we're going to see a lot more at-home investors and we're going to see a lot less Wall Street D-bags, I guess. I don't and know. And that's why I'm launching Damien Coin, the official <laughs> cryptocurrency of Neptune today. Have you got magic blood? Weird that I would use Damien coin. It just sounds so wholesome. Does anyone know how to make a cryptocurrency? I feel like if we knew someone who knew how to make cryptocurrency, they wouldn't be talking to us. Guys, if you know how to make crypto, uh, just get in touch. NeptuneToday at gmail.com. We have so much room to move. We don't have much money to invest, but as I understand, these things just gather value on their own. So we might soon... We have no gold. <laughs> we have no gold, but we have a lot of Damien coin. <laughs> It'll change your life. Damien coin, get yours today. Uh, that, I think, is the big thing that's going to take off this year. Um, 
I think uh, we're going to hear a lot about politics of decency and being presidential again and that sort of stuff in the US. Um, I think we're going to see our prime minister look like a bit of a dag compared to Biden at this point. Which is impressive because Biden looks like he's a thousand. So like, looking like a dag next to him, that is rough. That is some rough stuff. You know? I am predicting ScoMo will will do a bit of a brand transition where he starts to try and look more like a business executive um, than a daggy dad. Um, I imagine we'll see him wearing a bit more of a bit bit more suited up, a bit more sharp. Um, that's my that's my prediction. Uh, yeah, that's politics though. What's the thing that's going to happen in you know the real world where uh, real people walk and talk and breathe? Uh, I'm going to get coffee with my friends more. Uh, it's going to be good. We are going to record in the same place one time. <laughs> it's going to be good. I have another microphone on the way, mm-hmm. uh, which is very cool. Um, and that is not... So this microphone is very directional. That microphone captures sound in kind of a, a hemisphere. So we will be able to be in the same space and both be audible and interesting um, and hopefully not talk over each other too much because we'll only have one audio channel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. <laughs> no, we'll just treat it as a live show. We just can't say anything that we want to cut. <laughs> Nothing but at all. <laughs> We've had this conversation. I unexpectedly had people over yesterday and was like, hey, this is the new house. Look everywhere except my room. <laughs> Look at the shared spaces. They're so clean and tidy. Aren't they stylish? Don't look at my room. A gremlin lives in there with me. I don't know. What? It's weird. It keeps... It was a terrible accident at the gremlin factory. Wait, at the gremlin? Do the, all the gremlins work there? Do they make gremlins? I don't know. I was working on a super gremlin origin story without realizing it. There was a chemical spill and now he can turn into a puddle like Alex Mack. We have too many origin stories in this episode so far, so I think I might have to call it um, <laughs> a, a pleasure to talk to you as always. Um, yeah. Uh, where can people donate to your uh, fundraiser thing? Is that a thing It doesn't you're doing have online? to be to me. Don't look me up, but definitely look up the OC Challenge, OC standing for ovarian cancer. The OC Challenge is... A really worthwhile thing. It, I mean, just donate to a charity, guys. It's a nice thing to do. It'll make your brain feel nice. But um, the OC is a good one. So is Wikipedia. I recommend doing that as well. And uh, I will have more stuff coming on one of the Neptune social channels, I guess, at some point. Just keep listening to the podcast. It's fine. I'll point you in the direction of stuff when we have more stuff up. Until then, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash Neptune Today. Uh, you can also donate to us directly at paypal.me slash Neptune Today. Uh, and I will close us out with this. I don't have anything to <laughs> Yeah.
You're listening to Garbage Fire, the new single from Vixen Vixen. That's VXN, VXN. Next episode, I'll be chatting with Bridget about this project as well as her other band, Church Mums, live performances during COVID, and dog ownership. But in the meantime, if you're in Adelaide, I heartily recommend that you go see Church Mums live on the 27th of February at the Broadcast Bar and check out Vixen Vixen on Spotify. Bridget's amazing. I'm so excited to chat to her on the next show. Okay, bye. Bye. You've been listening to Radio Lockdown, a Neptune podcast.